1: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Barisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we are doing how to have a value conversation. Ed, probably the most difficult part of this entire transformation to value pricing is this topic.
2: You know, and that's funny, Ron, because it it really, it, it, when I present this, it really should be the easiest. And and here's my rationale for that. Let me just take you through. And I, th- I think, we, you know, you and I have talked about this, but let me see if I can try to make this more clear than I have in perhaps previous episodes. In, in any transaction, there are three variables going on, not two, right? This is the whole business is not a zero-sum game. We've talked about that on any number of occasions and that there are three variables there's the cost to the firm there's the price that you get which is the negotiated difference and then there is the the value to the customer right so those while there are two people involved in the transaction there're actually three variables and this this is where we talk about okay then you know your profit is the difference between price and cost and the customer's profit is of course the difference between the value and the price that they pay if you look at those three the cost the customer doesn't care about your cost structure. I've I've never met any customer that's worried about the cost structure of people that they buy for. Right? You don't walk into the Starbucks or whatever going, oh, I hope they have their cost structure figured correctly here. I hope no. they're
1: making a good profit.
2: Yeah, yeah, I hope they're making a good profit. Right? No, nobody thinks that when they purchase from somebody. And yet, what's bizarre about it is so many professionals use their cost to have a conversation with customers sometimes. Well, you know, it took me four hours to do that. And the customer's like, I don't freaking care. Sure. I don't care, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's your cost structure, right? So when, we agree, when when I get audiences to agree that nobody cares about the cost structure, that's step one. Then I then I say this, are customers gonna want price, prices to be higher or lower? And universally they say lower. I said, well, can we just accept that as a given? That customers are going to want prices to be lower, right? And I think I then I use the Thomas Sowell line. You know, it's like the, it's a universal truth. Like, you know, all airline crashes are caused by gravity. Right. Right. So it's not helpful to say, well, customers want lower prices. No kidding. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Right. So it's, not, it's not a big deal. So then, then I ask, I think, one, a really interesting question, which is, okay, as a professional, do you want to maximize the value that you provide to the customer or minimize it? And for the universal approval, if they say, yeah, we want to maximize the value we provide, I said, okay, does your customer want to maximize the value that they get or minimize it? Well, they want to maximize it too. Well, so then, therefore, it is the one element of the three that both the provider, the professional, and the buyer – the the customer they're on, they that you're on the same side. You're on the same side of that. we what we both have an interest in maximizing the value that that's get that gets created here. So therefore, let's have a conversation about that, right? Let's just talk about it. yeah you you
1: would think that you would jump at this with alacrity, right that this value conversation would be the greatest thing. but just before we dive in, why do you think it's so hard for people to do this? I mean, we continuously get feedback, even from firms that have been doing this for a long time, to say this is the most challenging part of value pricing.
2: Yeah, I, I think I, it come to my mind immediately, Ron, two reasons, right? Um, the, one is I think that that professionals are, or 10 Toward, tend to be solutionists, right? And this is the, and we're going to talk a lot about this guy during this episode, the great Mahan Khalsa in his book, "Let's Get Real or That's Not Play." This is his his word, solutionist, and what what that means is is that as professionals, we really enjoy solving other people's problems, right? We get a we get a bit of a high from it. We can we can almost feel it coming. It's like a it's like a drug addiction in a way because we get we get a a, a hit of whatever you know endorphin or whatever whatever the 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 uh, oxytocin or whatever the whatever that hormone is that makes us feel really good right? right and and the the because of that we we tend to want to talk about the solution which is not which is the antithesis of the value conversation right exactly. so so that's that's the first reason is that we as professionals are more comfortable talking about um, the solution rather than talking about the the problem for the customer. But right. then there's the second reason, and the second reason is is that we, I think some professionals are afraid. Well, if we talk about this,
3: what if there's no value?
1: What well, if there's no value? Yeah, I I think that's <laughs> I think that's big, Ed. We're we're selling a commodity, you know, or whatever.
2: Yep, yep. and there, and 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 you know what? He, you're right, and that there there is part of that. Now, I think far many professionals will say it's the first, right? That it's their solutionism that gets in the way, but in the back of their mind, it's really the second that is the biggest cause. Right? That's, because I have that's just my anecdotal evidence. That's all.
1: But look, doctors can move off the diagnosis. I mean, the uh, prescription, right? They can diagnose. Yep. I mean, if doctors can do it, I think all professionals can do it. But, you know, you make a really good point about both strive to maximize value, both sides. I mean, it's the one, it's one of the three elements of that transaction where the interests are completely aligned. You, you both want to maximize value. And uh, if you don't have that value conversation, you'll never understand that. So, Forgive me, Father. I have sinned. I'm 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 going to confess something to you. I, I we should have Father Sirico on, although he doesn't let you do it over Skype. But no, uh, right, exactly. When I started doing this in 1989, and I and I wrote this in my book, so I'm not saying anything that I haven't said before. But I, I don't think I've ever said it on this show before. Um, I I did pricing in an absolute vacuum. And I failed miserably. I, I would sit there and, and tell the customer, oh, I'll go back and I'll work up a fixed price agreement, you know, with everything you need. What arrogance, what hubris. I mean, it I didn't even, it didn't take any time to diagnose. I said, well, they're going to need this and this and this and this. I mean, I thought I knew it all. And, and. You know, one of my favorite authors, Carl Albrecht, said, the longer you've been in business, the greater probability you don't really understand what's going on in the minds of your customers. That is so true. I mean, I I failed four out of five uh, with these things, and it took me a while to figure out, hey, dummy, even a car salesman knows that you've got to engage the customer and find out something about them, what are they going to use the car for, you know, and and. And, and let them drive it and get them involved and have that value conversation. But that didn't dawn on me for a while. I had to fail miserably before I learned these this, these lessons that we're going to talk about today. So just right. just, just, just wanted to make that <laughs> – just wanted to put that on the table that it, it's, it's
2: very clear that if you don't have the value conversation, you'll fail. You'll well, because – because because it's pretty, quite simple, Ron. Right? It, 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 we we talk about value pricing or value led pricing. Well, if you you can't lead, have value led price if you haven't talked about value. Period. End of story. End of conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, what you do is you can have you can have fixed fees. Right. So we agree with the, but the, but again, the difference between a, a a fixed price and a value price is that the value price takes the value of the customer into consideration, and unless you have a conversation that in some way quantifies, if not qualifies that value, well, the, then you, you, you're, not, you're not value pricing. You're, you're fixed pricing, but you're not value pricing.
1: Right, right. I know, don't you have a blog post out there, no no value conversation? Yeah, we'll, about it, but...
2: Yep, we'll link to it. Because a lot of what we're going to talk about is in that blog post too. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely put a link for those who prefer to, to read it. And then We might even put that Part, part of that stuff in the show notes. But, you know, here's the other, other thing, Ron. It, 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 what struck me about this, and it probably only came to this conclusion after several years of doing this, what a huge advantage professionals have in that almost by definition, they are going to have a one-on-one conversation with every prospect. Yes. Right. I mean, just and, and and the fact that we throw that away or or have and you know I, I'll I'll confess too I was I was awful at this as well. We th- we throw that opportunity away.
1: I you know I always say that any other salesperson of anything, washing machines, mm-hmm. cars, would would kill to be able to have the type of conversation, the candid exchange from the customer back because they you know have a trusting relationship with the professional, so they're going to. You could be very open, especially accountants, lawyers. I mean, you know, the customer sitting there with their economic kimono, you know, open for the most part. Uh, And and any other salesman would kill for that. And you're right. We we don't take advantage of it. And that's why we we always say, you know, price the customer, price the customer, not the service. And because you're meeting with these customers one at a time, something our our airline would love to do.
2: You yeah, know Exactly correct. Hey, why are you flying, Ron? Where, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Ed, you talk about, because I've seen you talk, and you just returned from South Africa, and because we like full disclosure, folks, we are recording, pre-recording this show on February 28th. The show will run on March 9th, and Ed, you just returned from South Africa,
2: and I know you, you, you were in three cities, is that right? That's correct. Uh, Johannesburg, Cape Town, and Durban. I even got a chance to put my feet in the Indian Ocean. Right on, right on, uh, and and part of your presentation to
1: the accountants down there was was this whole value conversation thing. And uh, one of the things I know that you talked about was this idea of the four steps to move off the solution. And yeah, and, and I've seen you do this, and I just think it's absolutely brilliant and i and i really want to dive deep on that to, to move off the solution you've already mentioned it but give give the theory why and where's it come from where's
2: that yeah, come look- so, yeah, and I want to back up just a little bit on this, and I, I mentioned Mahan Khalsa earlier, but th- th- this what what a, what a great debt that I owe to Mahan Khalsa and the folks at, uh, uh, I guess it's now the Sales Performance Group at Franklin Covey, that's where his organization finally rolled into, for, for sharing this with, with me about 10 years ago, um, and, and Mahan's great book, Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play. First of all, I love the title, right, because it is so, so on, but... Um, you know so and ha- happily mahana's retired in in hawaii or something so shout out to him i hope he's he very much enjoying his retirement as well he should be uh, he he has a couple of different ideas around this that are important and be, before we uh, get into moving off the solution i just want to share one of them <clears throat> as we get to the break and that is this notion that intent counts more than technique Mm-hmm. And Ron, Ron, right before I, r- before I, I start talking about this, I showed the backward bicycle clip, which we'll put another link up to, although it's probably been linked to like seven times on our show already, <laughs> right. right? We'll put, so, but we'll put another link up to it. So, so it's, it's, you know, bits are cheap, but, but this, this notion that it's going to take you months and months and months to get good at this, right? And it's, and you're going to struggle and you're going to fall off and you're going to get skin knees and you're going to, you're going to. You know, crash, wear a helmet. you know is is what what I'm suggesting in a way. But what i what I want to say and Mahan is 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 very, very clear about this. Intent counts more than technique. if if you are if your intention is pure and what you're trying to do in this conversation is really, truly maximize the value of the customer so that they can make the best possible decision. Even if you screw this up, it will be okay. Awesome. And, I, I, and and I think that's a critical factor.
1: I love it. Well, Ed, I know you've got four steps to move off the solution. and Folks, we're going to dive into that when we return from this break. And I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can send us an email at asktsoe at verisage.com. We love getting your emails, questions, suggestions for shows, that type of thing. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
3: Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash U.S. forward slash S.O.E.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
4: You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
1: All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're discussing how to have a value conversation. And Ed, I was just reflecting on, you know, looking at your four steps to move off the solution. One of them is listening and I know the other important part of the value conversation is the art of questioning, and it reminds me of that Eric Hoffer quote that you and I both love, language was invented to ask questions, right? yeah. answers. Yeah, you know, We can grunt and gesture to give answers, but human. he writes, humanness came of age when man asked the first question, and then he says, social stagnation results not from a lack of answers, but from the absence of the impulse to ask questions. And, and I would say value stagnation results <clears throat>
2: from a lack of, <laughs> you know, asking questions. If you have a stuck sale, you have sales stagnation. And it's because you didn't ask the right questions. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so so
1: walk, walk through the four steps to move off the solution. Guys, this is brilliant.
2: Yeah, no, it is. And again, shout out to Mahan who who leads this section this section by saying, uh, "No guessing." The 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 number one rule in moving off the solution is no guessing, mm. uh, and that you, you, you and professionals guess all the time, right? Right. right. Um, and for for lots of different reasons, but 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 we oftentimes guess because in a sense we don't want to look stupid. But here's the crazy thing, Ron. So often our prospective customers are parroting what they hear in the marketplace right they hear things like the cloud right or or security or whatever and they don't really have a good understanding of it we might we might not but we 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 probably do because they're coming to us in some kind of an expert capacity but just because we have a definition of whatever they're talking about doesn't mean that our definition matches up with theirs and we make a big mistake by not clarifying what do they mean by terms that we often just use, uh, throw away, right? So That's really it, important this, point. It, yeah, it is. So this this notion of no guessing. Don't don't guess what your your prospective customer or customer thinks. You or you, you think they think. Right. No, no guessing. So that's that's most important. But the four steps are and I'll just move them you know, th- through them quickly. And then I'll, then I'll I'll give an example of it that happened in my career. And then uh, we'll come back and maybe we'll go through. A, we'll, we'll play stump the chump, Ron. You can you can you can pretend to be a prospective customer and I'll move off the solution. Okay. <laughs> right? <Cool. All> right. <laughs> but but let's let's talk about the four steps and the four steps are, number one, listen. Right. And listen intently. And there's some really great exercises around listen. And I I don't want to get off on and deviate from that path. But just just to say this, that that what one has to do during these conversations is really amp up their 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 dialogue skills right there. What's what's I think psychologists call it active listening. So your ability to listen to what the what the person is saying without trying to formulate your reply at the same time.
1: Right. right, right, because we so, think faster than people talk. That's so, correct. So we're sitting there trying to figure out what we're going to say next, and
2: only kind of half listening to them. That is absolutely correct, and we don't we don't fully focus on what they're saying. And we're still, running. It's sort of it's sort of like uh, you know, now not many people know about this. Did you ever do you ever click "I'm feeling lucky" in your Google search, Ron? Yes, yes. Right. Yep. So the unfeeling, I'm feeling lucky button, if those of you don't know, brings you to the, fir- the first item that Google finds. And the notion is, is that I am so good at typing in Google searches, the right search criteria, that it's going to give me the right answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and and, and our, our brains function an awful like that. I'm feeling lucky button. Right. We hear keywords or phrases that a, a prospect says, and then we go right to I'm feeling lucky. And we're like, OK, boom, here's your answer. Right. And here's the thing is like a lot of times we get it right. But and that but I'll I'll explain why that's a problem in a second. But in the two percent of cases where we guess wrong, it's a really big problem. Big problem. Sure. Right. But I submit to you that in the 98 percent of times when we get it right, it's still a problem because because they don't feel heard. Right. They don't actually feel heard. And I think that's that's a really big thing. It's it's you know the, the, I, 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 I like in, in one way this is almost like the the the, the prayer of Saint Francis uh, school of sales. <laughs> right. See, seek more to be seek more to to understand than be understood. That's good. Right, right. Right. Isn't that one of the cubbies, eight seven habits? It is. And then First of course scene. it goes back to the prayer of Saint Francis, which when if you do research on it was not written by Saint Francis, it was actually written in the early eighteenth century, but mm-hmm. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, never never let a good story get in the way of reality, right? All right. So anyway, so listen is number one. Then the next thing is some kind of, and this is my word. Mahan calls it something different, but I call it assuagement. I just like, the, I like saying the word assuage. It's a cool sure. word, <laughs> right? So you want to, you want to assuage them. You want to let them know, hey, listen, you've, you, you've asked an appropriate question. Then you want to do the move, or what some people call the pivot, which is where you where the, 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 the move actually happens. And then lastly, there's the close. And the close is not like close as in close the, the sale. It's close as in ask a close probe question. Um, and for those of you not familiar, the notion of a close probe question is one that's designed to solicit a yes or no answer. So it begins with words like can, will, should, does, is. Right, those kinds of things. They they're questions that don't begin with who, what, when, where, how, why. Right. That's another way of thinking about them. So, but that's really the four-step process. So, listen, assuage, move, and close. Now, I should say that this technique, this thing called move off the solution, is it's a linguistic technique. It's just a it's a it's a language thing. That's all it is. You know, we we refer to it as a tool, but it's it's really just a way of of processing through the language. So, um, Ron, and, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so dominating this conversation, but no, you no, this is great. I'm, I'm totally fired up about this topic. <laughs> <all> right, I'm <laughs> but, loving. But this. let me let me t- let me tell you this the story of of how this happened to me. And I probably have told this story on the air, but it's worth repeating. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. And that is circa 1995. I'm doing a demo. Um, for uh, for one of my prospective customers of of the first Windows based accounting system that was on the marketplace, right? Um, some of you aware of what what know what that what that is. But in, in any case, I don't know. Demos back in that day, Ron, were like all day affairs. Right? right? It wasn't like a quick fifteen minute thing. Now we, we were pretty much we pretty much showed features until they either said, oh, "Please shut up and I'll buy from we you," stop. please, <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Right. Or they liked enough enough of the features to say, yeah, this is cool. Let's buy this. Right. And, you know, we would just keep showing them stuff and we're like, yeah, you don't like that feature. That's OK. We got a thousand more. And oh, by the way, I've got a sleeping bag in the car. So we're good. We we (laughs) can just I'll wear a catheter next time. It'll be OK. I'll just keep talking. Um, So we're about like halfway through this demo. Uh, aka rob johnson our friend rob johnson he calls it a prospect training session which is really what it was he, this guy said he says ed stop he was like remember ed Koch? Ron? Yeah. stop yep. stop, yep. How, am stop. I doing? how am i doing how am i doing stop <laughs> he's like this is really cool ed but i have to tell you i kind of assumed that an accounting system was capable of printing accounts payable checks <laughs> <laughs> you really need to show me that it's okay <laughs> so he said he said but here's the thing what i want is i want an one can your system produce a report that shows me inventory turns by item category mm-hmm. right and i'm like uh, let me think about that and the answer was out of the box no couldn't but i knew that i i could probably figure out a way to do it in crystal reports pretty quickly sure. so i th- Thought this would be the best thing, so I, I, I did, so let me just fire up my Crystal Reports, and I'm like, hey, sure, let me do it, let me do it for you. Let me show you how easy it is to get data out of the system, right? So I fire up Crystal Reports, and I'm, some of you will appreciate this. I'm left out or joining my, um, you know, uh, DDF files, my data dictionary files, and I'm out, left out or joining, and I'm creating this report, and like, bam, you know, and, I, and I, I apply the red, white, and blue template because it was near Independence Day, right? You know, <laughs> <So> it's like. <laughs> <clears throat> Literally fireworks going off during the demo, and I'm like, "Yeah, there's the report." How do you think? And he's like, "Yeah, that's that's it. That'll do it." And I'm like, "Great." So we get this deal. It's like sixty thousand dollar deal run, thirty thousand in consulting, thirty thousand in uh, in software sales, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, "I am a genius. <laughs> this is so awesome!" Right. About six months later, the guy puts his arm around me. His name is Evan, by the way, and Evan says, "Ed." remember that report you gave us? I'm like, well. No. <laughs> He's like what? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, the report you gave us, because I had to give it to him, Ron, because I did it during the demo. The demo right? Sure, sure. I, couldn't even put, I couldn't even put it on my timesheet Right. the 10 <laughs> minutes that it took me to create it. Right? Because I did it during the demo. Right. <laughs> right? He says, well, because we've been able to, because we have that report, we've been able to figure it out. That because we have this information, we are increasing our sales this year by forty wow. percent. They're roughly a ten million dollar company on a run rate for fourteen. Right. Wow. Oh. So what was the report worth to him? Four million dollars. <laughs> and <Ed>, we got <laughs> to do I, all. What did we, I get?
1: We, <laughs> Zero. We, we got to do a whole show on leaving money on the table. People. Oh, my God. How, how many That's, examples do we have, have we heard over
2: the years, <laughs> even well, this, personally? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. This is why, it because, and this is my solutionist mentality, Ron, right? I was jumping to, to the solution and providing the solution. That's why I say that solutionism, like if I, in, instead of solutionist, I was a drug addict instead, I probably, I probably had, I had a cocaine problem. I'd probably be more wealthy today. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I may, you know I may be dead from cocaine usage, but I would still be financially better off. Um, so this is a serious problem. So it, this report was worth four million bucks to him, and I got zero. zero. right? Wow. I'm, now, I'm firmly convinced that I could have gotten like, maybe a hundred thousand dollars for this deal instead of the 60, so that $40,000 difference, that would have gone not just to my bottom top line, but right to my bottom line, too, right?: Absolutely. So if I had moved off the solution, which we're gonna, I'm going to give you how you would move off this, that exact solution when we get back from our break, I'm firmly convinced that I would have been $40,000 richer, right? Bec- and and Evan would have been happier because of it. Not, so not, not only would I have been better off, but he would have been better off too. And that, that's that I think is the, the major point. But uh, I'll tell the end of the story when we return from our break. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to uh, ask TSOE, ASK TSOE at Verisage.com. The website, of, of course, is The Soul of Enterprise. New feature out there for you. If you go to the soul of slash ala for access level agreements we would be happy if you would download a free access level agreement a white paper that i wrote but then and then in exchange for signing up from our mailing list which some of you haven't done but we'd like you to do sign up for a mailing list we will also send you a free ebook of the our soul of enterprise book so that's the soul of slash ala but right now a word from our sponsor abacus next
3: Results CRM, the award-winning Abacus Next product, is a customer relationship management solution that will automate your business processes, streamline workflows, and deliver consistent results. Cloud-enabled to provide access to your users anytime, from anywhere. Grow your business in 2018 with the number one QuickBooks CRM. To learn more about Results CRM, visit ResultsCRM.com.
0: the boardroom to you voice america business network
4: you are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise
2: and back here on the Soul of Enterprise. Uh I, I feel Ron that this is like the Ed show today, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um it, it, part of this is, is as, as you mentioned, we're we're pre recording and it's and it's it's by morning. You know, usually you don't we don't do the show until the afternoon. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm right at peak coffee right now. Um, I'm, right. Um, right. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm at peak performance. enhancing drug. That's awesome. I no wonder you're so fired up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, so we we were talking about the four steps to moving off the solution: listen, assuage, move, and close. And I told the story of of you know the guy who wanted the report. Here's what I should have said, Ron. Okay. Right. This. this so I should have listened intently, and then I should have said this, Evan. Thanks for asking. We do custom reports. All the time. One of, the, one of our, our best things that we do. We're so good at it. That's the assuagement. Right? Letting him know that he's asked an appropriate question to uh, someone who can help. Right? right? Then here's the move. However, often we found is that when prospective customers are asking us for a customized report, they actually don't need a customized report. Because there's another way to get that information out of the system that doesn't require a custom report right? Mm-hmm. So, that's the move. And that which, is, it, it, which is true, by the way, right? That is a completely true statement. So, that's the move. Here's the close. So, would it be okay, Evan, if I asked you a couple of questions as to what, do you, what you plan to do with this information? Or why do you think you need this report? Something like that. And that's the close. Notice the close probe nature of it. Would it be okay, right? <laughs> yes. Notice that I do not jump immediately to why do you think you need this? Don't do that. You must, absolutely must, ask permission to ask additional questions. And I know we talked about that on our Asking Effective Questions uh, show because that's, that's one of the, the most effective questions is to make sure that you ask permission. But this, this is, this is the, the bigger context of that question and why it's so important. 99 out of 100 people will respond in the affirmative. So even if they've asked you a direct question about anything, price, whatever, if you properly move off the solution, 99 out of a hundred times, they'll, if you do this right, they will say, yeah, sure. No problem. Let's talk about that. Right. Uh, that's
1: such a great point. I mean, I love the whole asking permission thing. It reminds me of Lieutenant Columbo, you know, do you mind if I just ask you a few, uh,
2: oh, one more, one more, <laughs> one more question. One more question. <laughs> um,
1: but, but, the clarification is so important because like you said, the, the, the customer might have a completely different definition. You know, oh, I need an estate plan. Well, what's yeah. the plan mean to you? You know, sure. The lawyer knows what it means, but, but what does it mean to the customer? So, so Ed, if I came to you as a customer and I said, I need to replace my CRM system mm-hmm. and you know, is that something you guys can do?
2: So the, the the director answer is yes this is the move off the solution. Yes, we do CRM all the time. In fact, it we're we're one of the largest organizations of blah blah blah. You can even, you know, enhance. However, what we found is that CRM means different things to different people. Would it be okay if I asked you a couple questions as to what CRM means to you? Right? Right, because (laughs) who's going to say no to that? And by the way, CRM means a thousand. Not only here's the bizarre part, right? Sometimes one of these 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 uh, TLA's, these three letter acronyms like like CRM or the cloud, it means different things to different people at the same company. Right, right. I mean, it could even mean different things to the provider. Like when I say CRM, I could just mean contact management. I could mean marketing workflow. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean the, the whole, every possible thing that CRM has ever meant always. it And it, 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 there's usually a specific context around it, right? So that's what the clarify is all about, making sure that you clarify stuff that what would normally be, well, they're asking for CRM. Of course we do CRM. Yes, in fact, let me show it to you. Here's the demo. <laughs> right.
1: And. And then, Ed, you have something called a presumptive clarify. What is that?
2: Oh, this is good. So th- so this is when they, especially when someone is is asking a question around price, right? This is a really good one for price. So say someone says, I'm looking for information about, you know, Sage Business Cloud uh, uh, Financials, right, which is our new product name. Go Sage Financials. Okay. Right. Sage Business Cloud Financials. Uh, and, but, I'll, you know, but they'll say, hey, but our main concern is price. Please tell me how much you charge. Right. What a great, what a great question. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so that's what they say. Please tell me how much you charge. So by the, way, by the way, and I usually say this when I do this presentation, if you answer 250 bucks an hour, eh, thank you for playing. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong on many counts. You're out. <laughs> All right. So here's the response to that that I, I think is important. So first, the assuagement. I'd be happy to give you a price, right? I'd be happy to give you a price. So don't don't dismiss it and say, well, we don't want to like to talk about price until. Say, I'd be happy to give you a price. Once I understand what exactly you want to accomplish, and then here's where the presumptive comes in, and use this word. And at this point, it would be presumptive of me to guess. Beautiful. Would you mind giving me some details about what you're hoping a new SAGE system would do for you?
1: I love it. It would be presumptive of me. That's beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. Is it, it because Ron, if, if someone's asking you about price straight up, what is the likelihood that you are the fir- either the first of many calls about to be made? <laughs> right? Yeah. Somewhere in the middle, or the last of about six phone calls that they just made.
1: Yeah. And and you know they have the hourly rates in front of them of you know, everybody answered that with the two hundred fifty Dollars an hour and didn't hear the buzzard. But when they come to you and you say be happy to give you a fixed price, wow, you just differentiated yourself as well.
2: It, not not only that, but, but the use of the word presumptive means what about everybody else? They've been presumptive. Yeah. They've answered your question. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. this is another great Mahan Khalsa line, which is how you sell is an indicator of how you will solve. Yeah, it's one of my favorite lines in that book because mm-hmm. I,
1: I really do believe how you sell. The art of asking questions, naive listening, is is a differentiator in and of itself. The value
2: conversation, Absolutely. I think, is a massive differentiator. Mm-hmm. Just, just your willingness to have it sets you apart. Yep. And and, and and further, your insistence that you have it, it sets you apart. Yeah, it's it's like a
1: thorough diagnosis from a doctor. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it's uh, I love that. So wow, so those those steps to move off the solution, listen, assuage, move, and close. That's and, and I love the close, the the, the the close-ended question. Would that be okay, or you know, yes or no answer? That, that's um, that's really good.
2: Yeah, and I can't. I, I will emphasize this for the, probably the third time. I can't tell you how important it is that you ask it that way, that you don't immediately jump to. So, what are you trying to do? Right, right, <laughs> yes. So you will get pushback if you say it that way. And if you
1: would have used one of these questions or answers, I'm sorry to to that customer who asked for the inventory turn report, mm-hmm. then you, you would have figured out what the what the value was. <laughs> the very thing we're trying to maximize
2: correct uh, now i do i think it would have been 4 million bucks no probably not i get gu- i would guess that he didn't even know that sure right would, would we have come up with a million yeah i'm pretty sure mhm right and and th- therefore if i had then set a value led price of say 100,000 instead of the 60,000 that i got he would have been happier number one because instead of 1 million they got 4 but i certainly would have been Happier because I would have made more money. <clears throat> so, right. So, Ed, are, are
1: we are you ready to go into Mahan's five golden questions?
2: I am. I am. And so let's let's set this up because we're going to have to take a, a break in between some of these. So I, I think that that this would be a, 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 a good. I'll, let me set it up and we'll 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 talk more to it after you you get the affirmative answer which I'm assuming you're gonna get yes it would be okay if you know we talked about something else the next question is pretty much baked in right well why do you think you need this so that's where you can say why do you think you need this after they say yeah sure it would be okay mm-hmm. right and then what is important here at this step at this point in the process is after they give you a reason that you don't uh, you, that you don't say okay let's talk about that you here's what you say you say why else hmm Right. So make sure you get the complete list. Now, there might be only one reason, and that's fine. But don't leave it there and assume that it is. No guessing. Remember, right? So why else? And then, you, and then after they give you reason number two, you say, why else? Why else? Why else? Why else? Until they finally, well, that's it. That's okay. And then after you have a list, Ron, when you have a list of stuff, what's the next question about a list of stuff? What's the priority? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why this is so important is is that so often, it's not the first one that they give you that's the most Im- most important. Right. Oftentimes, the first one they gave you is the one that was on their mind that day, but it wasn't necessarily the most important.
1: Yeah. Right? It doesn't even suggest you rank them in some... Instances.
2: Yes, you, certainly rank them. You know, and this depends on the situation, right? You, you know, you certainly uh, want to rank them in order and take them one at a time. Or, you know, sometimes you can just say, "What's the most important?" Talk a little bit about that one. What's the second most important? Talk a little bit about that one. And if there's enough value there, then you're done. You know, then then okay, we can justify ca- having a further conversation. But all right, so let's let so let's presume that after after we've done this, you've now you said what you know why? Do, what are the reasons you have the complete list? And now we're going to begin to talk about them. And the first thing that you're listening for is a measurable word. Now, I put measurable in scare quotes here Ron. Yep, yep. <laughs> right? Because this is we 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 both of both of us tend to reject this notion of just measurement for measurement's sake. Right? But Let's face it, ultimately, business decisions are usually made based on some kind of of, of a belief system about a measurement. Sure. Right? And some so things therefore, can be measured. Yes, some things can, can be measured, right? So here's a, here's a quick list, and, we, and you have a much broader list, Ron, which I guess we'll try to put that slide up there. But my, mine is a short list of only six things. Revenue, cost, customer satisfaction, quality, performance, productivity. There may be other things like, sure. you know… Um, Uh, morale that's another good one Mm -hmm. right um uh, but but certainly uh, efficiency if they say if they say efficiency right right as much as we rail against it but that's an that's an that's a way so you know you can talk about so the the key is is that you're listening for something that's measurable and then you drop into the five golden questions and we'll deal with that after excellent okay great well folks
1: Again, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at We'll post full show notes on this show with uh, some of these tips from Mahan and Ed at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor,
0: Sage.
3: For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about how to have a value conversation, and Ed's talking about how to move off the solution. So we discussed the four steps of moving off the solution. Listen, assuage, these these uh, asking clarify questions are just fantastic, then move, and then close. And now we're getting into the five golden questions where you're listening for a key word that denotes something that can be measured, So cost, revenue, cash flow, tax savings, all of these things should send a bell off in your head that says, ah, that's something that we can measure. Once you hear that, Ed, then you move into the five golden questions, and I'll let you explain those
2: yeah and it's funny Mahan when he taught this and I've had the pleasure of being in the audience on multiple occasions when he's gone through this material He does this very thing he says your brain has to have a measurable alert and when you hear something it should go off eh, 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 measurable <laughs> <laughs> And so so let's just take an, an example that, that we often hear something like okay well if if, if we get if we had that information, we think that our quality would improve right mm-hmm So then here are the five golden questions. And look, there's no, you just got to memorize them. They just got to become part of you, right? And they are as follows. How do you measure it? What is it now? What do you want it to be? What's the value of the difference over some period of time? Now, I know I went through that fast, but I'm going to do it slowly, right? So how do you measure it? What is it now? What do you want it to be? What's the value of the difference over some time period? And usually, by the way, that time period is a year. Because that's what most businesses think of as the payback period, right? But right. not always, right? right? All right, so let's set t- t- quality. So how do you measure quality now? Now, there's two possible responses to how do you measure quality, right? First one is they give you some kind of a quality metric. They say, you know, errors per thousand, breakage, something like that, right? And then you can proceed down the five golden questions, right? So how do you measure it now? Uh, breakage. Okay, so wh- what is it now? Um well there we we break you know uh 10% of whatever we try to manufacture because the process is 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 challenging and if we had better information about what was going in you know we, we, that would go down. Oh really? Okay. So what do you think it would be? What if if you break 10 per 1000 now, what do you think it would be? Well, if we had the information it would probably go down to 5. Okay. All right, so you're talking about a 50% reduction in breakage. Yes. All right. So now we have to get to what is the value of that difference? And, you know, now you would be asking questions like, well, how many thousands do you produce? What is the what is your cost per individual item? Right. And then it's just a multiplication question. Right. To get out to that point. So, so, okay, so you're reducing it by 50. You do 10,000 of them uh, a a month or uh, let's say 10,000 a week. So there's 50. Roughly 50 weeks in the year, 50 times 10, you know, and you're just doing the math, right? And it, yeah. it's, ju- it's, just, it's just algebra at that point until you get to a point where, and then after you get to that number, which, you know, stated in the year, you, I, it's important for you to be a little skeptical and say to them, is that right? Does that look right to you? Right. And get confirmation that, yes, it, that, that, that's what they mean. Right Now, I'm going to take you through that again, but I want to back up a second because, Ron, there's something in here that I think is even more important than actually getting to value, believe it or not, because it's on the mind of so many professionals, especially in the accounting space today. And that is, where, where can we look to provide other opportunities for us to do consulting engagements? Absolutely. But let me go. Let me run all the way back to this notion of where, where we say quality. And they say, well, we think our quality would improve. And you ask, so how do you measure quality? And they say… Ready, Ron? We don't. We don't. (laughs) We don't measure quality, right? You have two possibilities at that point, right? Um, Let me take the first one, which I think is very interesting, which is to say, really, you don't measure quality? Huh. You know what? We, We have helped people come up with some quality metrics inside their organizations. We've got an area of specialty on that. How about we carve out a little mini consulting engagement before we do this whole big thing that you need? Right. Let's just do a little mini consulting engagement where we come in, talk to your folks and maybe suggest for you two or three quality metrics that you could begin to put in place that would help you get a handle on it. That way, if you make a decision in the in the future about, you know, putting in a whole new system, you'll have that information so that you can go back to it. Yeah. Right. So when they say we don't measure it, that's a consulting opportunity help them measure it (laughs) help them measure it (laughs) help them measure it boy that could be especially if you accountants out there that's what you do you're freaking accountants that could be you
1: could you could uncover pricing you could uncover kpis cash flow different types of cash flow analysis here just all sorts of opportunities just with these questions
2: yep yep so it's it's incredible. All right, so let's go back and we say, well, how do you measure it? and they say, well, how do you measure quality and they say we don't. You and let's say you don't feel comfortable doing a quality engagement, right? It's not your area of expertise. You can peel the onion. And peel the onion sounds like this. Uh well, if quality were to improve, what would happen? Hmm. And they might say, well, if quality were to increase, we think our customers would be happier. And 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 measurable alert. Yep right Every so thing. how do you measure yep. customer how do you measure customer satisfaction they give you you know and no net promoter score or we don't really oh. <laughs> consulting opportunity <laughs> right uh, if you, and let's peel the onion again though let's say uh, well customer satisfaction if customer satisfaction were improved what do you believe the result would be see i'm kind of varying it a little bit that's the peel the onion thing
1: sure right? sure
2: i'm just peeling the onion if that happens what would and they say something like well We think that if uh, our customers are happier, they'd buy more. All right, now you're golden. (laughs) (laughs) This is, (laughs) once you get to revenue, by the way, it's the one, it's the exception to the rule. Now you only have to ask four golden questions because if you ask the first one, you sound like an idiot, right? Right. How do you measure revenue? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We add up the invoices at the end of the period. Come on, you're an accountant. You should know that. (laughs) Right. So 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 you jump immediately to, okay revenue. Now, remember, it's not revenue for the whole company. It might be revenue for a particular product or a particular uh, segment of customers. Right. So what is that revenue now? A million dollars. What do you think it would be if you if you had a solution to your problem? One percent more, five percent more, 10 percent more, 50 percent more. Oh, well, maybe 10% more. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is, is if we, if we have a, come up with a solution, if we pr- solve your problem, you think that this is going to increase your sales by roughly a hundred thousand dollars a year. Is that right? Yep.
1: And I like how you're relying on their numbers. They're saying the numbers, not, you're not presuming <laughs> <laughs> to know yep. what the cost yep. quality defects are. I mean, a lot of these you know, people come in and try and show these ROI analysis and the people sit there and go, well, that's not what we pay for that. That's that's the wrong, you know,
2: <laughs> you're going to say cents per account stable transaction. <laughs> Industry averages show you're a moron. <laughs> well, I mean, Mahan has a great line. He says, make the customers do the math. Right. Because <laughs> yes. if, if you sit there with your HP 9000 and calculated, who's got the problem?
1: You, you know, do. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 you say it, they can dispute it. If they say it, they can't.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then by the way, the last step in all this, Ron, is after you have this conversation about all of the different possibles and the re- possibilities and the reasons for this, then you gather this information up and provide it back to them in what my friend Rob Johnson calls a summary of findings report. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, as an extra added bonus, we'll put a we'll put a link up to a, a sample summary of findings document for people.
1: Excellent. And and uh, I know we only have one minute here, it may be less, but let me just ask you just a couple of tactical questions. Where do you prefer to hold the value conversation? Where's the ideal place?
2: Their their boardroom, their office, face to face.
1: Okay, because I, I always thought you know the walls have ears. Maybe they're not as candid as they would be in your office, or maybe in neutral location. And and what do you think about team selling? Is it okay to have somebody else with you? Should you should you sell more than just one person?
2: My suggestion is you can have more than one person, but there but there should be one person who is the lead on it, and then the other person should be more in what Mahan would call um, uh, observation mode who maybe contributes a little bit, but for the most part, just observes the conversation as a, as a neutral third party. Right. And I, I'd prefer that
1: person to be somebody who sits on the value council, too, if you have one. But uh, this was fantastic. What a, what a great conversation. I know there's so much more to say, and you have so much more on this. Maybe we'll devote another show to it, because it is such a, a hard topic for people to wrap their heads around. But what do we have on store for next week?
2: Ron, next week we have coming up for a, a interview with Peter Block. We had teased you with that previously, but that it's really happening now. The interview with Peter Block next week on the Soul of Enterprise.
1: I am so looking forward to that. All right. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise business and the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, check out the show notes at the soul of We'll post everything we discussed today and you can contact Ed or myself at ask at Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.